Mac Power Users, Episode 206, Brett Terpstra. Drink! Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Katie Floyd. How are you? I'm well, and we want to welcome to the show, Brett Terpstra. Welcome, Brett. Hey, thanks. Good to be I, here. I always wonder whether you approve of our little um, drinking game. Oh, of course. Okay. I mean, you're welcome to participate with whatever your your beverage of choice is. But, yeah, I, I hear my name a lot. So I have to, I have to, um, I have to abstain a lot of the time. <laughs> well, justifiably, justifiably, Brett Terpstra is one of the gems of the Mac community because he brings us so much great stuff. Uh, but I realized that we haven't been calling Brett's name out much lately. And I thought we needed to fix that and get him back in here and find out what he's doing that's new and amazing. Because there's a lot of new and amazing stuff he's done. Yeah. Yeah. But before we do, I just want to take a minute, a couple intro announcements. Uh, thanks, everybody, for the continued support of the presentations book. It's continuing to do great. And more importantly, I'm starting to get those emails that I love from people saying that they just gave an amazing presentation and thanks. And that is why I do it all. And uh, Katie is getting ready to speak, too, right? When is this Milo Fest you're going to be speaking at? Yeah, Milo Fest is in October. So, yeah, that's for Macs uh, in law offices. If you're an attorney or a law office administrator or something like that using a Mac in your law office, uh, go check out MiloFest.com. I'll be there. And, uh, and, and the final announcement is we've got a ton of feedback this month from the shows we've done, and we've got a really nice lineup for the live show, which will be the next show in our feed after this one. So uh, make sure to take some time and listen to these live shows. And, and if you want to be there, they're the first Saturday of the month at 10 a.m. Pacific. So we hope to see you all there. But uh, Brett, uh, first of all, thanks for coming back on the show. It has been too long since we've had you on. And I went back and listened to some of the prior shows we did with you. I mean, we we had a, we had you on a show where we talked about advanced text editing, and we we've done some workflowy stuff with you. But a lot of water has gone under the bridge since then. And uh, now you're a very successful software developer. Is one thing. Thank you, and uh, congratulations on that. Um, and and one of the themes that we had in the prior shows when you came on was talking about Markdown. And it was kind of at that stage where nobody really knew what Markdown was and why do we need this. And we spent a lot of time th talking about why we think it's a good idea. And I don't think we need to really bang that drum right now. It seems like a lot of people already get why Markdown's a good idea. But uh, one of the topics I wanted to talk to you about today is Markdown in, in 2014. Now that it is kind of an accepted thing, I think that's kind of changed the conversation a little bit. And and the first thing I'd like to talk about is is this new app you have out, Marked Two, and if it, if you haven't got it out there, you should definitely go get it. I I actually bought it from you, Brett, when you when you released it before it got in the App Store. And, yeah. And and so just for those of you who don't know, writing in Markdown is fantastic, but it's nice to be able to have a preview of how everything's going to look, and the amount of support you get through that in various applications is kind of mixed, and sometimes it's not so great. So Brett came up with this great idea of making an application that'll look at a file and give you a nice preview of it. And that was the original idea for Marked, which has been out for a couple of years now. But because it's Brett Terpstra and he can't stop, he keeps adding features to it, like <laughs> display Scrivener, display code. I mean, it's just like every time I open it up, Brett, this thing does something that 
I didn't even think was possible and is new and amazing and, and lovely. So uh, he keeps adding features to it. And now he's got this version two out and it's, it's just a big hit in the app store and everybody I know that's running a markdown has it. So let's talk a little bit about what you've done with this new version of the software. Uh, well, I mean, 2.0 is, is a huge jump from 1.0, but two, 2.0 was out almost a year ago now. So when it went into the app store, it was up to 2.3 and I added, I, I, I should have doubled the price given the number of hours that went into 2.3 over 2.0. Yeah. Sometimes it's best not to think about that. Yeah. But I did raise the price after, um, after July 30th, which right now is tomorrow, uh, it'll be up to $14, which I feel is pretty fair price for the amount of work that's gone into it. Um, and and but, the amount of usefulness the application has. Right. Yeah. Right. I, try, I, I put a lot of, it's got a lot of hidden features that no one's ever going to use. Um, but I try to make most of my time I spend on it actually make useful things for people. Well, what, and as an example, something that has nothing to do with Markdown, but something that I'm increasingly aware of in my writing is how I revert to certain words repeatedly or certain types of phrases, too many adverbs. And there's a variety of services online that will check that for you. And where you can cut and paste your text into some website and it'll do that for you. There's been a couple applications that, that do that for you, but I've never really been that happy with them. And now that's part of Marked. I haven't seen, are, are there other applications that do that? Yeah, there's, there's a couple text editors out there. I bought one and it just didn't really work out for me. And then I never found one. I had built it into um, TextMate back when I was working on the Blogsmith bundle. Yeah. And uh, and then I decided to port that to marked. And the first implementation was a JavaScript impl implementation that was it was slow on anything longer than like 50,000 words. But uh, now it's in pure Objective-C. It's pretty darn fast. And it's uh, it's it's I don't know. I think it's a great feature that I hadn't seen elsewhere before. I'd seen the web ones. Yeah. But I hadn't found a text editor that had that built in. I thought they did it. Let me look at you. Want me to look it up real quick? It'll probably be busy. Does anybody really even care? I don't um, know. But, but the point is, the Brett does it better. Yeah, I do and, love that feature, and I love the. There's. Have you noticed that it will highlight double words? Like if you type the the in a sentence. Yeah. It'll call you out on it, and you don't even have to ask it to. It, and it can it can find if you mess up your markdown, and your markdown syntax gets into your final document. Like if a link didn't render properly, it'll highlight that in red if you turn on the option. So you can't mess it up. And, you know, and Brett just slaves over the details of this stuff. It, it, you know, you, you're just my favorite kind of developer. We, we talk about a lot of apps on the show repeatedly. And by and large, most of them are the result of somebody that is obsessive about making something really great. It's usually one person or a very small team of people and yeah. uh, and you fit in that category it just these apps i use all the time i it, so much of your stuff brett and i know this i'm not trying to blow smoke but it's just you have given me so many great tools over the years like those services tools i was talking to a friend recently who said oh i never use services that's too much work and i'm like you are insane you know because services on the mac are such a cheat 
And Brett put those services together. In fact, one of the first shows we had you on was talking about power text editors. And my conclusion from the show was where I might have needed one of those powerful text editors a few years ago because you created those services. I was getting by just fine and byword, and it really hasn't changed in all these years. Right. Well, and that's why I made them is just to to be editor, editor agnostic. Let me ask you this. Did you... Uh, like at the time that you started using the Markdown service tools, were you a big services user at that point already? Oh, I was immediately in on services. It, okay. it, I think it was the Snow Leopard uh, version of Mac OS X, if memory serves. Whatever was the one, because I've always been into automation and Apple Script. I took the class from Sal at Macworld, and you know, I've been, ju- I've known just enough to be dangerous. It's like if I need to put together an Apple Script, I can. If a listener writes me and says, hey, I just need you to make me an Apple script that does this and that, I can't because it takes me too long and I would never get anything else done if I did that every time <laughs> somebody asked me. But I do know enough to figure it out for myself. And um, services just made the whole process so much easier. You know, when I have a bit of text or when I have an image file, I still use the heck out of them. Well, and I, services didn't get cool until they until Automator could make services. Yeah, because exactly. initially you had to write shell scripts yeah but and and then process them into services and when they made it accessible in the right click right and that was all the same i believe it was the snow leopard release if i was wrong somebody's gonna tell me and shortcut keys yeah it's crazy yeah i I, i've always found that people don't appreciate services enough and i think that's changing a little bit uh at least within our community uh people are beginning to really see the value but i'm hoping that extensions in in Yosemite open up like a whole new world of service possibilities, but I haven't played with it yet. Yeah, me too. That whole thing about extensions in both iOS 8 and Yosemite right now is still kind of, it's still kind of speculative because we haven't seen what the developers are doing. Right. But I've I've read the docs and it looks, it looks like Apple's providing a way to continue developing extensions in a more useful way i have an ios 8 device in my life and um i have a beta from an app that has been mentioned many times on the show and that we all know and love and it is divine does it start with d actually it 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 does start with d okay i have that one too <laughs> and boy you know if this is a taste of the future i am in but i'm not sure how much of this i can say without getting in trouble but so i'm not going to say anything else but but i agree but getting back on services we did a show on services a while back we'll figure it out and put it in the show notes and david but, but before you go into much further back up a little bit for for someone who doesn't really know what a service is and and talk about just briefly what it is and why it's useful once again, Katie Floyd's brings us back to I'm the just, planet you, got, you guys will just jump right <laughs> off and go, and, and then you can convert the HTML to Markround with the service, and someone's going, huh? Wait a minute, what? Hey, well, a service is, as Brett said, it, at its most basic level since Snow Leopard, you can create an automator script. An automator is very easy. You don't have to know anything about programming or Perl or JavaScript or Apple Script or anything. And you build these things together. The analogy I use every time we talk about this is Lego bricks because it's very similar where you say, take a file, step one. Um, let's say, take look for an image file. That's step one. Open the image file. Step two, convert the image file to 620 pixels wide. Step three, save it as a jpeg step four and that's a that is an automator script and you say okay save this as a service and allow me to use it on any image file 
So if you if you've got a website and you need 640 wide pixel pictures every time, you can put a picture on your desktop or go in a folder and select a whole bunch of them. Select them, right click, and then fire off that service, which is in the right click menu on your Mac, and it will convert them all to 640 JPEGs. And it saves you all the trouble of opening them and manually going through and doing all that work. And that's that's an example I've used before because it's easy to set up and, and easy to do, but you can go way further with that. And if you're if you're if you're a neophyte like me, you can make them. If you're a pro like Brett, you can actually put scripting languages into them and make them do much more powerful things. And uh, the set I was referring to earlier is Brett's Markdown services. So he's got a whole bunch of them that can create Markdown links, and it can go to Safari and grab tabs and then turn them into links for you and do all sorts of amazing magic. In fact, I, I, think, ask. I think that's how our show notes get made every every week. Yeah. I gotta ask: Are you in on this uh, upcoming MacWorld article? Yes. Yes, I am. That's are you? Awesome. We all are. <laughs> yeah, you, you're gonna you're gonna dazzle people because your stuff is accessible, and okay. it's it's insanely cool. My stuff might be cool, but it's you can't put half of what I do into an article in a magazine because it is it's hundreds of lines of scripting. Yeah, that they don't work in print. So I just get to say, yeah, and then I have a script that does this. Well, they will they host the script for you or l- allow I, you to put a link in? Maybe hopefully I, I'll ask. I think uh, it's going. I've, I've been talking first, to them, yeah. which makes it difficult. Yeah, yeah. Code is not going to work very well. Screenshots. Would be so that's nice, a but. that's a really tempting thing. I'm not sure how much we can say about that, but it sounds to me like there's going to be a pretty cool article coming up in MacWorld with all three of us in it, and and then some. Maybe I don't even know who yeah. else. He Some, just said, people def- from the community. How fun. Well, you know, we, we kind of went off on a tangent about these services you prepared. And you can go to Brett's w- website, brettterpstra.com, and download his Markdown services and play with it for yourself. But I encourage you to go back and listen to our services show and, and go online and, and do a little bit of searching. And you'll find some great tutorials on how to make services if you never have before. And I, I've even put services in some of the Max Sparky Field Guides, you know, showing people how to make them. I know I did several of those in the in the paperless book to show people how to convert to PDF and things like that. But uh, the reason I started down that rabbit hole was because I wanted to uh, tell uh, Brett how much I love and adore him. And that's why whenever you come out with something, <laughs> Brett, I just buy it because I have got so much value out of the stuff you give away. But that being said, Marked too is a is a regular part of my Max, you know, diet. I use it all the time, and and I bought it like like you said when it first came out. I, I didn't realize it'd been out a year. But, Version uh, two has, yeah. yeah. Did you know Marked Marked itself is like four years old now, three or four years? I forget. Crazy. Wow. It's way older than I think it is. Yeah. And this is time just this, the second paid update that you've had to it. It's it's the first version two point is the first paid update. Or first paid version, and two point. Yeah. 2.3 was a free update for 2.0 users. Right. Well, there's a you've done some you've done some great stuff with it, Brett, and it's truly helpful. And it and marked 2 does a lot more than markdown. Like I said, it, even it's helping me with my grammar and it's just a really great tool to have on It can on your even Mac. do it can even do like pandoc with uh, bibliographies and citations, but I broke that when I went sandbox, so I have to fix that now. Okay. I I can't believe you got it out in the app store at all with the sandbox limitations. Me either. It's been a week, a week, a week and three days in review. 
and I kind of figured it wasn't going to make it. But uh, but suddenly it was for sale. I bet and, I bet there's like a bunch of people at Apple that love this so much that they're like, you know what, just get that through. They're actually I get contacted uh, not regularly, but have been contacted multiple times by people, individuals at Apple just to say, hey, I, I love what you're doing. It's my favorite app on the App Store. And I'm sure that's not like a common sentiment at Apple. Yeah. But but there are people there rooting, rooting for me. And that's cool. It's funny. You know, we think of people at Apple as like all knowing. I, I think that the company kind of does a good job of creating this corporate persona. Oh, yeah. And and I go up there occasionally for uh, for the books. You know, sometimes I meet with the people in the iBooks and I've gone up there and had lunch a couple of times. And and several times I'm up there, people, you know, who heard I was on campus come over and introduce themselves to me or I meet people. And a lot of them listen to the show. And, you know, as obvious as this is, to me, it was like an epiphany. It's like, you know what? These people are like us. They, they have a job to do and they have a lot of work to do and they just want some help getting the stuff done easier. You know, yeah. I don't know. For some reason, I was just thinking that everybody there has like Steve. They've, Wozniak are, they've already style. solved all these problems yeah, that we're like, solving. Yeah, they're like you know Brett Terpstra times ten, and then and then they get in the door. You know, yeah. And, uh, I want to work. I want to work at Apple. I think. I think you'd really? be an amazing. Employee. If no, I give up on being independent, that's I, I would shoot for a job there. I well, think you know you would, you'd have to be, move. Yeah, I know. But I'd move from Minnesota to California, which isn't really Bonus. a step down. Yeah. The only downside to that would be that we'd lose the stuff that you do True. just for fun. I would disappear into the cloak of a corporate environment. And I, I'm sure that, that your touch would show up on things coming out of there, and it would be great. But I would also miss, like, like I have in my outline here, the geek tool stuff that you do. Like, you just, like, like you had a caffeine-induced couple hours, and you released something <laughs> amazing. I okay. lied in that post. I actually spent four hours on that. Okay. I felt really weird writing that I spent four hours on a, a graph on my desktop. I feel a lot better now, though. But that's the truth. It actually makes me feel better that you're telling the truth, because I, I was <laughs> feeling completely inadequate when I saw what you did. Um, we're jumping around a lot, but but let's 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 kind of stick on Markdown for just a little bit longer. So, yes, let's. I have so, stuff to say. Yeah, okay. So Markdown is now a thing, and people are using it. It's no longer, you know, telling people why they should be using it. It's just people are using it. And how has your use of Markdown changed over the last few years? Well, I, I've, I've kind of developed certain rules for myself about what flavors of Markdown I'll use where, because that's the big deal right now. And uh, and I, I it, it's a huge deal in my support queues, because there are at least 20 major different flavors of Markdown that have different syntaxes and different special add-ons. And what you do in one probably won't work in another. So for me in my writing, I'm very conscious about anything I do that doesn't conform strictly to the 1.0 standard that Gruber put out. Yeah. Anything I do beyond that, I have to ask myself, can I parse this? Can I fix this? If the, if the processor I'm using right now doesn't exist in 10 years, yes, I'll have the plain text, but if I want to put it on a blog, I'll still need to be able to process it. So can I parse this extra syntax out? And I'll be very careful about what I do based on that because I tend to switch like blogging platforms pretty often. Um, and being able to move WordPress to Jekyll and Jekyll to, you know, whatever's next 
is kind of important to me. And Markdown makes that possible, but not if it's filled with liquid tags. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so that's my usage has gotten stricter actually, but yeah, I've ex- I, go yeah, ahead. I, I'm with you. I, I think, you know, you know, in Gruber, we trust, I mean, he's the guy who created Markdown and I've, I've always kind of stuck to his standard The the only exception is sometimes I get into a little bit more complicated writing. In those cases, I use multi markdown from Fletcher Penny. I use, I use MMD frequently because the stuff that, that Fletcher incorporates is well thought out and it's often stuff that has been standardized already. Like, like he just, he just incorporated abbreviation syntax, which has been in PHP markdown extra and Python markdown for, probably six years. Um, but he just put it into MMD because it's really become, it's accepted as a standard. And I believe there will always be a processor available that will process that syntax. There've been a lot of calls recently for Gruber to update the, the markdown spec to do something with it just because it's, I hate to use the word languish, but that's what his, I, you know, that that's what people are are saying is, well, Gruber hasn't really done anything with it since 1.0, but it is the standard. Yeah. Right. I mean, he built something that that has withstood the test of Internet time. Right. And I honestly like it's really meant to be developed in other flavors. I like that there are multiple flavors available. Yeah. And and like I'm saying, sometimes that gets you into trouble. But Gruber would never even if he were actively developing it, he would never add all this stuff that something like Cramdown has added. And yeah. if I want this stuff crammed down as added, I'll use crammed down. I actually don't want to see it become part of the spec. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And in that way, it's kind of open for people. And, and as far as I know, John has never had a problem with people kind of growing their own version of Markdown. He's just picky about the naming conventions. Yeah, well, I get that. <laughs> but, you know, I'm with you. I think if we keep kind of the basic common denominator and and for my writing the 1.0 is largely going to be adequate. Yeah. I mean, it, it covers all the basic elements. Well, one of the issues that, that has arisen throughout this is that the whole concept of tracking changes. Yes. And I have news. Oh, okay. you have news. Well, let's hear it. As of today, right now. Wow. Um, there, there is a new proposed standard called text bundle. And I'm working with the guys from Ulysses on this. And it's basically, it's a, it's a, an Apple package, which is just a folder with a special extension. And then when you have apps that can read it, it'll read it as a bundle. And it contains one markdown file, one metadata file, and an assets folder. And basically you follow a spec and any app can add metadata to it into the metadata file and it's all namespace. So multiple apps can share the file and do different things with it and read each other's stuff without worrying about sandboxing and everything. And with this, the possibility of storing diffs and versions and uh, things like critic markup changes becomes possible because these files can be shared you know, between any users of a given application. And then if you send it to a user who isn't using the app you're using, they can still open it as a folder read the, the markdown file as if it were a markdown file, which it is. Yeah. And then the metadata provides all the additional functionality without having to cram it all into, you know, different text formats. Yeah. And I want to see this become a standard. Like this is where things have been going. 
Um, I have no problem with a package file and hiding the markdown as long as I know that I can always pull the markdown out, as long as I know Spotlight can index it, and as long as I know I can share it with other people in any any platform. And, and all that remains true. And they're going to make this an open standard? Yeah. Uh, we have registered textbundle.org, which isn't doesn't go anywhere except for the Ulysses site yet. But, uh, yeah, we're going to... My goal... And we haven't, we've been emailing back and forth. We haven't actually had a chance to really hash this out. So I might get myself in trouble, but my goal is to turn this into a GitHub repo where we take uh, pull requests and where people can comment and discuss, and we can really build this into a standard that everyone can incorporate. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. I, I've heard rumblings of this for like a year now. Yeah. Well, it was an idea I had, it was an idea Fletcher and I had at Macworld probably I I think Two I re- years ago? remember when you all met at that Macworld and there was discussion of that. Wasn't that back when someone was doing something about screenplay writing or I'm still, was I'm that still with working the Rob, on Fountain. Was that with the Rob when we had Rob Cordery yeah. and we had yeah. Yeah, it was that year. Yeah. And uh but basically, I mean you could do anything you want with this bundle. Like you could stick a Git repository inside the bundle if you wanted to. And pass it around and have full change tracking just with Git. There's so many possibilities and I'm so excited about the idea. It just, it, it takes plain text and makes it into something that can compete with word. You know what, Katie, it took us five years, but we, we broke a news story. All right. Users. <laughs> that's great, Brett. I, I, you know, I, all I was going to say is that's the problem to be solved. And it sounds like you guys are working while you're talking to Ulysses guys. Will you tell them to make an iPad version of Ulysses? Please. Well, that's kind of what Daedalus is. Not really, though. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. It. It's not. It's not as easy as I'd like it to be. You. You write on your iPad so much more than I do. I do. I'll, I'll mention that you asked. No, they know I have asked. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> We've emailed each other. I, I've asked. I'll ask anybody who writes a good. Every time I find somebody who makes a really great Mac writing app, I'm just like, please, just. I wish a- Fletcher would finish his. Yeah, uh, but that's pretty exciting. So. A critic markup is going to be folded into this, or it's just, I guess it's an available That's solution the thing, is within you the can package. Add, yeah. yeah, you can add anything you want to it. And it makes it possible for apps to do different things with the same file. Yeah. And to extend it in different ways. So it's, I mean, it's just an open format. And, and the exciting part isn't that the format is, you know, technically brilliant or anything. It's just that we're taking steps to make an open format that people can start incorporating into apps. So in fact, the next release of Mark and the next release of Ulysses will have this built in and they can communicate with each other through these bundle packages. So if you preview and mark from Ulysses, it'll actually create this bundle file from your Ulysses document, send that to Mark and all of the built in images and everything are instantly accessible to Mark without worrying about sandboxing or anything. So when are those updates coming out? I believe we'll be submitting this week. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. I can't wait to play with this. All right. Let me go back for listeners who uh, got lost in that. And you tell me where I'm, I'm, I've gone astray. You know, the, the problem with Markdown, one of the problems is that it's a simple text file. And there are certain things sometimes you want to do with text that are beyond the scope of a simple text file. So what you guys are putting together is a, is a type of file that's a package that won't just have the plain text markdown, but may have other things in it that allow you to do things like track changes or have resources. Right. Have embedded images that move with your document. Yeah. yeah. 
and you still have the the basic mark text file. You still solve the problem that mark that markdown solves. Right. Quite that that is exciting, Brett. And if you're involved with it, I have a lot of confidence that it's going to work. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, there's been people I, I have that have faith been, in this one. There's been a lot of people trying to solve this problem for three or four years now, and nothing has really stuck. Well, and I think like critic markup was a, a great and well executed idea, and I use it. And I built it into Mark. Mark supports it. Um, but it does, it pollutes the text file. Yeah. In a way that, I mean, granted, if you want to keep a single plain text file, there's no other option except, you know, to not keep the single plain text file and do what we're doing. Doing what we're doing provides the capabilities to do what Critic Markup does without messing up your text file at all. Wow. I had no idea we were even going there today. That's exciting. I know it was, I, I sprung it on you. I'm sorry. No, you, no. I love it. That's, that's drama. I mean, how much drama <laughs> you get on a geek podcast. <laughs> and and this, the fact that that's drama in my life is just another sad tale. But, <laughs> Mine too. It's okay. Well, so in addition to changing the landscape of Markdown, Brett Terpstra, you were also teaching it. You, you just did a video series. Yeah. Uh, recently. Well, is it just one video, but it was a long video. Oh, I thought it was a series of videos. Okay. Yeah. All right. And that, where's that at? That is at uh, Pearson at Peach Pit Press. So you can. Um, And what was that like? Because you you were actually in their studio for a while, like with the green screen. And how did they get all that set up? They, they do uh, the learn, learn by video series. And they've done a lot of different videos, mostly like more advanced programming videos. And they decided, they kept hearing about Markdown. Uh, people kept telling them, I wish I could learn Markdown. And so they found out that I was the guy to talk to. And they brought me down to the studio. And it's it's a nice studio. That's actually the second time I've been in there. Uh, I did another one on iOS controls that I didn't love. Um, but the Markdown one came out well. And I, I'm honestly, I don't know how well it's done. They don't provide many analytics for their uh, producers, but it was fun to do. And I think it looks really good. Now, did you and, come up with the, with the curriculum and yeah. the course? And- all, all written by me. Yeah. I am, you know, I, cause I do a lot of video production in relation to the books and the site and everything. And I'm just convinced that if I ever got called into like one of these places where they do it professionally, they would immediately realize what a fraud I am. So I avoid all of those commitments. You just you just have to go in there pretending you you never knew anything. Yeah, yeah. There you yeah. go. That's a good that's a good strategy. And never let on that you have experience in that, anything. That's easy to execute in in my case. <laughs> um, Brett, I want to talk about uh, some of the cool stuff you're doing and your tools in 2014. Yeah. Uh, before we do that, why don't we take a quick break for our exclusive sponsor today? And that is PDF Pen for the iPad. All right. Well, I can talk a little bit about PDF Pen for the iPad because, you know, last week we talked about our vacation show and I'm just getting back on vacation. But vacation doesn't really start for me until you actually get to where you're going. And in this particular trip, I spent about six hours in in the back of a car and I had my iPad with me and I was able to stay productive almost all the way up because I was using PDF Pen on iPad. I had folks at the office emailing me documents and I was able to 
view them, make edits to them, change them, um, even sign things and send them back to the office. And it was great. Um, so PDF pen for iPad is everything that you love about PDF pen for the Mac, uh, except it's, it's on your iPad, which means you can take it with you just about everywhere you go. You can view your PDF documents. You can mark them up and annotate them. Um, they have support for some amazing Bluetooth uh, is it styluses or styli, uh, including the Jot Touch, the Pogo Connect, um, the the Wacom Stablus or the Wacom Stylus, uh, depending on what you want to call it. Um, you can also make a last minute fix to a document. So if you need to fix a typo or if you want to highlight something or maybe draw on something to call somebody's attention out to it, you can do that too. Um, and you can also sync files either via iCloud or via Dropbox um, or all other kinds of uh, file sharing services, including Evernote, Google Drive, Box, Transporter, brand new support for Transporter, and WebDAV. It'll also sync by FTP and iTunes as well. Uh, so PDF Pen is great for when you've got PDFs, you need to edit them on the go, or you just want a really great reading device for your PDFs. Uh, there's nothing better than that than the iPad, and especially now with these Retina screens. So you can find more information about PDF Pen for iPad over at smilesoftware.com. Uh, it's available in the App Store for $14.99. Uh, and there's a great video that was done by some guy who clearly is a fraud and has no video experience. Um, but you can check that out on their website as well. That was you, wasn't it, David? I hope it was you, now that I've said that. Uh, actually, it was Brett. Oh, it was Brett. Good. Okay, uh, that's fine. I, I was actually going to joke that it was me when you said that, but no, it was David. It was totally oh, okay. David. So um, <laughs> check them out, smilesoftware.com slash pdfpen slash iPad. Um, and uh, thanks to them for their support of our show. Isn't Smile awesome? Yeah. Smile. You know, when I, was, yes. when I was talking earlier about how there's like developers that we continually love their products, I was thinking about you know, a lot of them are sponsors of our show. I mean, and most of them are like these little guys, you know, and Smile's one of those. They are not a big company. And yeah. it's just a little group of people that just obsess over every little detail. I'll never forget at Macworld sitting down with Philip and Greg when they were getting ready to do um, uh, iOS um, text expander touch. And I, is it just version? I think it's version 2.5 that just came out. And I, I, it was the first time I'd ever witnessed a developer literally sweating over single pixels <laughs> and they just were not happy with something. And they were talking, you know, and I, I really enjoyed kind of watching them being so passionate about trying to make the best possible thing. And it, it, it's, it's inspiring anyway. Um, enough of that, uh, Brett, I, so I follow, uh, I, I'm very picky about my RSS feed, but I always follow brettterpstra.com because you always have interesting stuff there. And I've been keeping up running a list of the things I was going to do after I finished the presentations book. And your name is attached to a remarkable number of them. <laughs> uh, so right now, uh, for the benefit of our audience I'm and myself, I'm going to go through a couple of these because I want to uh, talk about what you've been up to. And the first one I feel like I can get partial credit for because uh, I was a guest on your show, Systematic, a long time ago, maybe a couple of years ago. And you have a cool thing where you, where you have some picks at the end. And I, I pointed out pop clip to you. Yeah, you did. And, and, and you were aware of it, but as we were doing the show, you were looking at the website, you're going, wait, you can create plugins for it. And just like, it's like you just stopped 
we just stopped recording the show right there because immediately <laughs> all the gears in your head just started cranking. And in the last couple of years, you've been prolific with all these great pop clip uh, plugins. And for those at home that don't know, pop clip is a little app you buy it in a Mac app store. I think it's, it's less than $5 probably. I don't, I'm not sure of that, but I, I would guess. And what it does, I think the, the basic premise of it is, you know how on iOS is when you select text, you get a little pop-up menu that gives you things you can do with it. And why don't we have that on the Mac? And the pop clip developer created that. So if you just take your mouse or your trackpad and you select text, things will pop up. And some of the basic ones are like convert to large, large case or small case. So when I'm writing, you know, something in the day job and I want to all caps align, I just select it with pop clip turns on. There's a little button. I tap it and it's, it's all caps. And I didn't have to go uh, futz around with menus or anything. It just happens. And, and Brett Terstra has taken that and ran with it. And you have got this just amazing variety of pop clip extensions. How big well, yeah. is your, your personal pop clip extension bar now? Oh, I, keep I it mean, pretty trim. Do, you, do you need like a bartender type utility for it already? <laughs> no, no, okay. I keep it trim. And pop clip does this cool thing. Once it gets wide enough, it gives you a secondary menu. So I can organize my lesser used extensions to the end of the list and the, the, I'll have to click an arrow to get to them. But I use those ones so rarely it doesn't matter. It actually works out really well. well um, so give us, give us some pop- examples, Brett, because the pop clip is a tool that I have tried. I have installed. I've used for a couple of weeks and I always end up either uninstalling it or just whenever I wipe my Mac or something, I, I never reinstall it again. And I just I can't. It's. Somebody asked once, what are the tools that you want to like, but you just can't seem to find a place for in your workflow? And PopClip is one of those for me. So why should I be using PopClip? Well, well, let me just, I'll tell you one reason why you wouldn't use it is okay. if you're just a keyboard master. If you spend all not your Not true. Time... Not true. Okay. Oh, really? Okay. Because that surprises I'm, I'm, me because David's such a keyboard person. I am hugely keyboard oriented. Okay. But there are times that you do select text with your mouse. Yeah. I, I guarantee there are times you do it. And there are times when your hand's already on the mouse, and then you have to go back to the keyboard to hit your special keyboard shortcut key. For me, Control-Shift-U will uppercase my text. Yeah. But if both hands aren't already on the keyboard, that U is too hard to reach, and my my hand's already on the mouse, and then this menu just pops up, and I click it. Well, and that's, that's what I was going to say. I, I get So I get these emails from people saying, well, I don't like pop clip because I'm a keyboard guy, and I don't I don't need it. But... I have the same experience as Brett. Uh, even though I like to think of myself as a keyboard guy, I do spend plenty of time using the mouse. And whenever you select text and you see this list of options, that's pretty handy. And you find excuses to use it, like, you know, convert to plain text. And and then then there's the whole list of, of Brett's plugins. I mean, one of the things, Brett... I, I, have, I, have, a perfect, I have a perfect example for this. Okay. I have one it. called Web Markdown that... You, you can't select text on the web with your keyboard. So this one comes in handy all the time for me because I can select text anywhere on a web page. And when I click WebMD in my little pop clip bar, it converts that text to markdown and puts it in my clipboard. The HTML actually gets converted into readable markdown, including links and everything. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's great. It's great. I mean, and, and some of this stuff is, is more powerful than the stuff you were doing with the services we were talking about 20 minutes yeah. ago. Because yeah, a, 50% of it is services that have been converted, yeah. but 50% of it is stuff you couldn't do. 
Yeah, just they they wouldn't work in a service, but they would work through PopClip. Yes. So it's kind of, for me, it's an extension of my services. I, I find it just as useful as my services overall. Have you ever met the PopClip guys? Because they should be really, you know, they should really be pouring one out for Brett Terpstra. We talk, but I've never met them. Did you know you can use AppleScript to reveal the PopClip bar? No. So you you could have, you know, if you made a selection with the keyboard, but then you realize you want to run one of your PopClip extensions on it. For me, I have the, it, you just t- uh, tell application PopClip to appear. That's all you need. Is there, so I, I put that on a, on a better touch tool. Yeah. So if I slide two fingers from the very top of my trackpad, just a quick swipe up at the top, then my pop clip menu pops up with for whatever I've selected with my keyboard. Uh, now, can you through Apple script activate a pop clip extension? I don't know. I just discovered this appear thing yesterday. Uh, so I haven't dug into the library yet to see what else is there. If, if you can go, if you can go deep enough to activate a pop clip extension with the keyboard. Uh, wow. You know, just think about that. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of that stuff, if you if you're going to use the keyboard, you could do with like keyboard maestro. That's true. That's true. So, I mean, there's just different tools for different purposes. I I I do a lot with just raw key bindings. Have you ever seen that key bindings file of mine? Yeah, I you know that's something you do, and maybe we should come back in a minute because I want to finish this pop clip thing. But that's that's the part of the stuff you do that scares me a little bit. <laughs> just the key bindings. That's what yeah, scares you. Well, just because. Once you start changing what your keyboard does. <laughs> oh my God. Have you seen these? Have you seen, what is it? Ergo, Ergo doc keyboards? No. no. What are those? They're are, these are those like the ones keyboards. that are like, like you're typing in a bowl? No. Kind of. Okay. Well, I mean, they're, they're split, you know, they face, they're angled in, in the middle, but these are keyboards that are hacker keyboards and you can take the bottom off and you can rewire the whole thing. You can resolder. you can, change what every single key does you you want dvorak keyboard no problem you want to put your space bar on your pinky no problem and you can you can add new keys you can add new any ascii character you could send it's got wow. a freaking at, like yeah. uh what's it called uh like a raspberry pi in it or something i haven't tried this yet but i was so tempted yesterday it's uh called ergo docs e-r-g-o-d-o-x.org crazy yeah, I want I want to play with that, but I'm afraid that I would never be able to use a regular keyboard again if I built my own and got really good at it. <laughs> well, you know that's actually kind of a problem because it then can you, be. You go to sit at another computer and you're like paralyzed; you can't get anything done. And I said that on Twitter, and someone said, "How often do you actually use other people's computers?" And I thought about it, and I realized the only time I ever do is if I'm helping my wife or my mom or my dad with a computer question. And that's simple enough. It's not like I'm sitting down and actually trying to work on their computer. So really, you know, one one less barrier there. Uh, uh, well, the other thing is, don't you work on a laptop? Because when you go on the road, are you going to carry this around with you? That's a good point, because that's the reason I use the Apple Aluminum Bluetooth keyboard at my desktop. Because yeah. it's the exact same keyboard configuration. But these little these little ergo docs are actually very portable. There, you'll find screenshots of people who put them over their trackpad on their MacBook Airs, 
and use them right there. I'm gonna I'm gonna be following this, and I hope that you go first. This is one where I'd like you to jump first <laughs> and just set it all up for me, and I can just download a file from Brettterpstra. I, I will send you links. There are some really crazy stuff people are doing with these. It also looks remotely Captain Kirk to me. You know the <laughs> uh, the gray. Katie should get one of these and put it on each um on each arm of her chair, and then when we record the Mac Power users, she can sit there and That's type That's a good idea, yeah. Just flip it's it up. It's Batleth, you fool! Batleth! <laughs> Speaking of which, our friend Chuck Joyner is going to the Star Trek convention. I know. As he, is he Rod called, Roddenberry. He called and invited me. He said, uh, do you want to go? He should have gone. I should have gone. Yeah, it's a busy I want to go to a Star Trek convention someday. I would take you. I would go with you. They, they're having a, a Star Wars convention next year in Anaheim, and me and my daughter are going for a day. I can't do, like, the full thing, but Are I'm you going to dress up like a Wookiee? You know, I think that if you go to one of those conventions, you have to jump in and just take it on. Do people you dress up at Star Wars own. conventions? I'm sure they do. I, I think of him, I do think of him more as a Han Solo, honestly. Yes, yes, that's exactly what I was oh, thinking. Of I course get a he, pair of pants Of course he's like, I, would, I gotta be Han Solo, yeah. <laughs> Hey, I was yeah. always uh, the oh, what was the bounty hunter's name? Boba Fett. Boba, uh, that's who I was always for Halloween. If I was going to do Star Wars, yeah, I was Boba Fett. Aren't you yeah, impressed that... that I know that, David? And I came I, up with that I, faster than you did. I I was shocked that you did it. I'm sitting here <laughs> stunned. But I, I'm I'm guessing you that you use your ergo docs on your two arms. <laughs> on my two arms, super fast. Cool it, come on. <laughs> Yes, number one. All right. Well, you know what, Brett? I, I think that I hope that you uh, move forward with this this keyboard thing because I'm looking forward to see what happened. I remember one time you had because you did a really cool thing with the caps lock key. The yeah. show is just going to turn into a bunch of nerdy hacks that we've all picked up from Brett. And the first time I did it, something went wrong and I had to kind of redo it and I got it working. But that was pretty clever because the caps lock key for most people is just unused as a caps lock key. So why not hack that? And then it's a great key to use to do keyboard combinations. Oh, it's it's awesome because if you use keyboard as much as you and I do, you run out of shortcuts sooner or later. Yeah. I mean, I so use, it opens up your whole keyboard again. The control option command is kind of my my home set of keyboard shortcuts. You know, you the just mash. Yeah, the monster mash. Yeah, exactly. You smash them all down, and then I make OmniFocus perspectives happen, and all sorts of weird things happen on my Mac when I mash those three down because almost no software developers use them. All three. Yeah, that and that's true. It's a very it's it's the one the first default you should go to. Control Command letters are often available too, but I mean I can hit Caps Lock Q and jump to my Mail app, which is MailMate, and then in MailMate I just type G one and it goes to my inbox. G2 to my sane box, sane later folder. And like, it's all right there with just my left hand. So I could be like drinking a cup of coffee while I do that. Yeah. And, and that's all described on your website. And that one takes, you need to set aside a half hour to make that happen because you've got to download some apps and you've got to do a couple things. But when, when it's all said and done, it's pretty nice. It is handy. And it really isn't that much time if you're a nerd and you like Mac power users. Um, Another pop clip extension you have that I think is is pretty awesome because it, it 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 scratches two itches for me in one pop clip extension. It's Markdown to Mind Map because I'm I'm a hippie and I do like mind maps, and uh, so I can take a Markdown list, apply the pop clip extension, and it converts it to a mind map, which is 
I guess it's an OPML file. What's it doing? Well, no. I mean, really, all it does is convert it into indented text. But most of the, uh, like, MindNode, MindManager, like, MindMeister Online, yeah, uh, all of the major ones, uh, Curio and uh, iThoughtsX, you can just paste that into a new mind map, and it will create a mind map That's exactly. Just indented text. I mean, it's not like doing some kind of JavaScript no. or something. Nope. It's I, just it I, removes the the prefix on the lines and adjusts the indentation into tabs. Brett, I have lost so much respect for you right now. Oh come on! I, you I gotta respect had, people who do the easy easy. I, I thought that you had some crazy you know machine that did all this. <laughs> no, that one's simple. If you look at the code, let's see. It's. Uh, it's 58 lines. Yeah. Total. Nice, nice. Well, you've got some great stuff in there. Outdent, indent, copy URLs. Right. And like most of them are a lot like the markdown services. It's yeah. just there are times that it's way faster for me to just highlight and click the pop up. Yeah. Or critic markup. We, we've been dancing around critic markup. We haven't really explained it. It's a, uh, it's a way to do basically track changes with markdown. Well, it's, I guess you'd call it more of an editor's tool. Yeah. Cause it doesn't really, you can add comments to changes, but it doesn't do chronological tracking. Yeah. That's true. But you can send a file to somebody. They can take a look at it and say, delete this, add this. Here's a note, send it back to you. And you can view that in like marked or multi markdown composer and it'll show you all their changes. And then with services like or with this pop clip extension and others, you can make editing easier. And then there are services for accepting the, changes from people and it'll like remove the markup and insert their changes or reject their changes. It's handy. Just doesn't have that like Microsoft word style. This is what so-and-so said at this time. And this was the change. So-and-so made to their change. It can't get that complex. And you know, we didn't mention that's from Gabe Weatherhead, who's a frequent guest on our show and who's awesome and, and runs the Mac drifter website. So we should have talked about it with Gabe like last month when he was on our show. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been the person to. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would actually make sense. So, so if you've got pop clip, uh, go check out these extensions. He's got one that does the sum of numbers. I don't think yeah. he did that in a service. Did you? Um, no, I think the last service I did in that regard was average. Yeah. So you could like highlight text on a web page. Like if you had a table, that had a bunch of numbers in it. You could highlight a row and then average the numbers. That was handy. But yeah, the the sum numbers will find any numbers in the text. They don't have to be clearly delimina- delineated. Like it'll find them with commas. It'll understand floating points. It'll it'll just find all the numbers and just add them together. So Brett Terpstrat is best taking something that that uh, we all use and just making it more awesome. Thanks for doing that with PopClip. And on that theme, another one that has been more recent on your website is geek tool. And this one is kind of more of a, I, I consider geek tool kind of more as a, of a toy and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but uh, geek tool is an application that allows you to um, display s- system information on your desktop. And it's actually quite powerful if you know what you're doing or quite powerful. If you go to the right websites and download the right geek tool plugins that somebody smart has already created. And recently Brett has been on a tear with geek tool and he did a a post just a week or so ago um, saying that he lying and saying he spent, I think, how long did you say it was like two hours? I think you said in the post. I, 
it, first it was two days ago. Yeah. And I did say that it took me, I, I said I spent 90 minutes just on the graph, but the graph was actually more like two hours. Yeah. <laughs> and then the whole desktop was yeah. easily four hours of the day. Well, well go yeah. look at it first because it's, it's like, <laughs> it is pretty impressive. But I, mean, but I don't think you've, you've, you've accurately explained what geek tool does and what problem it solves for people. Uh, all right. Katie yeah. Floyd on planet earth, please tell us. So what geek tool does is it displays all kinds of information. And I guess, depending on how you program it and, and Brett, what you want to plug into it and what you want to download for it, but it displays all of this geeky information. Uh, and, and in, if you're Brett Terpster, it displays really weird geeky information uh, on your desktop. Fair? Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, just like to give you an example, you know, the simple ones are like, what's today's date? And you can set the font. I mean, that with a geek tool built in tools, anybody, even someone with the uh, lack of capacity of, of David Sparks can still make some pretty nice looking, you know, you control the typography and how the, the format of the data. So you can have it display today's date or the weather there, you know, there's some basic ones that really aren't that difficult to set up. Um, then there is kind of the next step up where you can have it display system information. And uh, like I'm looking at Brett's desktop right now, he's got a section in there that shows the active processes which interestingly, Google Chrome is is near the very top. It always is. Yeah. The uh, big the big circle in the back though is actually CPU usage for user and system. Okay. And it fluctuates because it's based on the five minute average. It's yeah. that one's cool. So he's got this basically a donut behind his weather, and it's got different colors and nice nice shades because Brett's a, a designer as well, and it shows with a very simple graph how his system is running. And then there's some text on that as well. What is that? I can't remember. Uh, threading it, works. Oh, up at the top. That's, I have a project called doing. Yeah. It's a command line tool that lets you remember, like, as you, as you start projects, you just type doing this, doing that. And it adds them to a task paper file that you can then view in different ways with doing and everything. And so that is actually, if I type doing view geek tool, yeah, that's what it outputs, and that's designed to go into my Geek Tool setup. And then so it's the last three things I was working on. Has it got a timestamp too? So does it track how much time you spend on it, yeah, or is it? It does. Nice. Or you could show. I've seen people display OmniFocus um, tasks. In, you can even display like your your five most recent unread emails too. Yeah, you can do uh, great stuff. And you know, it, you can spend as Brett has proven, you can spend a lot of time on it, but at the end of the day, you look at your desktop and there's a bunch of information that you didn't have otherwise. The thing that, like the impressive part here that you spent two hours on is you created a really attractive uh, chart that, 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 well, I guess I would say not interactive, but responsive chart that, that changes data as it works through the day. Right. And I have no idea how you did that. So it's, it, it's Google has an API for creating like PNG files of charts yeah, with just a tabular data and it's deprecated. I don't know how long it will last because they're, they're move, moving more into like web-based interactive charts now. Yeah. But you can just send a curl command to Google and get a, a PNG file, transparent PNG file back that you can stick in a geek tool. So I just have a Ruby script that takes a bunch of numbers, compiles them, separates them with commas and sends them, sends them to Google. Yeah. And it takes it about, 1.2 seconds to run generate and display 
Well, hopefully they keep it around a while. I hope so. It seems like one of the things, it might be like Reader, where they just let it drone on forever and then kill it without warning, but, or with six months warning. And and, um, completely unrelated, I I just noticed you made this post with the new Clarify, which is, they're they're an old sponsor of ours. And can I tell you what I did today? They're still awesome. What? Yeah. What did you do? I built a Jekyll plugin for Clarify. I can, in one click, have a post from Clarify with all the links, all the images, everything. And the images get scaled down and then linked to their full size. And it all gets pushed straight to my Jekyll blog. And it that took me way longer than I will even admit on this show. <laughs> but it is, I work directly. It's like, you can only do it in the beta because I had to request certain features be added. Yeah. And, and Greg at, uh, at Blue Mango has been very, very helpful. And the beta is coming along awesome and it should be out soon. It's, um, and then I'll share my, I'll share my plugin with people too. Yeah. And but that, that's one that you're going to get that time back. So what you're saying is you can set it clarifies the product we've talked about in the past where you can make kind of like a manual very easily and annotate screenshots and all the things that you would also want to do for an, a really good blog post. So what you're saying is you can create and clarify, push a button and publish it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Like, and, and it outputs pure markdown. I can edit in clarify as if it were a rich text editor. I don't have to write in plain markdown. Yeah. But what I get out of it is a, is a markdown file with all the exact same information that then becomes my permanent store for that information. But when you're editing and you just want to click three spots on an image and then explain each of those three points, Clarify makes that like it takes, you know, half the time it would if you were taking a screenshot, opening it in an image editor, adding the numbers, going back to your markdown editor, making a numbered list, re- explaining each one, and then putting in an image tag. Instead of you just go and you click the, whatever your shortcut is for a screenshot, take it, shows up, click three times, type three things, you're done. I love it. Yeah. Sounds, uh, it kind of sounds like WYSIWYG. It is. It is. And, and like marked <laughs> can preview my exports so I can see exactly how it's going to look on the blog when I do the final export. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. You know, when you think about, it, uh, we've been talking about everybody, Hey, get away from this, these crazy editors that make these ugly files that are unreadable later, blah, 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 use markdown. And then what you're saying is, well, now I found a way to do right. that. Well, that's, that way, that's, but you still get that's where, that's where I've been going into 2014 is to this place where I can have all the convenience and the joy of using a polished, rich editor and still have everything I care about, everything I've always sworn by in Markdown. Yeah. Like, I, I, I want the best of both worlds, and that's well, what I'm working towards. And it's the next logical step in a lot of ways. I agree. The, um, another... Okay, and this is the part where the show, if you want to write down, this is the part where the show could very easily go off the rails because I'm I'm pretty sure the thing you're about to describe to me, I am going to have no clue what you're saying. I could be a chimp here at, for this next part, but you told me uh, now that you are using um, text messages to fire off automation. <laughs> he has a bot, it's David. Actually, what the? What? It's huh? actually really easy. Okay, oh, so. Okay. So well, um, well, let's, let's start with open, what, what is the pro, what is the purpose here? What, yeah, what, what are you, tra- what are you trying to solving? do with this? Yeah. Okay. The, the, the first impetus was I 
like to watch my sales of marked and and some other things through the day. And that requires me logging into various websites and checking sales data. Yeah. And when I'm out and about on my phone, it's nearly like I have to open one password, log into a site, and then uh, wait for it to load and then navigate through non-mobile friendly sites. And it was it would take me probably 15 minutes if I wanted to check all the data I want to see. So at home in Geek Tool, I have scripts that just display this stuff on my screen, but not when I'm mobile. So I wanted to be able to pop open messages, type like the word sales, hit enter and have it in within, you know, 10 seconds, just spit back a chart of everything I need to know. So it's all it's a text message to yourself. Yeah. Okay. And here's He's how it works. He's texting his I'll, bot, I'll, not himself. Do you want the secret sauce? Yes, please. It's super easy. Um, the uh, messages on the Mac. You can, in preferences for an account, you can set a, a Apple script handler for incoming messages. So all I had to do was write really? a script. Yeah. I just wrote a script that checked the sender. And if the sender was me, that came from my iCloud address, then it would perform actions based on what the message was. And it just goes through an if then, uh, if else then, if then else. You're right. I never noticed that. Just goes through a hierarchy. And if the command is sales, it does this. And it, it just shells out to the scripts I already had written. And if the command is this, it, it turns my lights on or it turns my lights off. And I can control just about anything in my house. Anything that's Apple anywhere. scriptable. Uh, well, anything that's scriptable, period, because yeah, Apple, Apple script, script has a do shell script command. Yeah, gotcha. So, like, what is your home automation weapon of choices? Like Wemo, or what are you oh, using? Oh, I use uh, Insteon with uh, Indigo. Indigo is an awesome piece of software. Okay. And so Indigo is scriptable. Yes. And so then you're able to trigger it. I, I didn't realize that they have this um, Apple script handlers in messages. I, I, I know. Like, how did that get through? I don't, I don't know, but it's weird because it only allows one, one ring to rule them all. Yeah. Like you get to choose one handler. So you have to write your handler in a way that behaves differently based on different input. Are you going to write this up any, at any time? I probably will. Yeah. Write, write it up with your fancy new clarify. Clarify. There thing. you go. Yeah. I, I'm guessing what happened is, is the day that they were checking, you know, for this in messages, <laughs> Sal like showed up with like five pizzas for the people that were checking <laughs> and, you know, it just distracted everybody. From... Yeah, exactly. And it just got right through. And so long as we're kind of on the down low, we'll be all right. The speak, default. Speak yeah, events. I... Speak events. Apple speak script. events is the one. If you read the help, that's yeah. the one they recommend using. But iTunes remote control. When you text it as a new user, it'll it'll respond with "Welcome to iTunes Remote," and then you can tell it like you can get status, play, pause, volume, all of this with text text messages. Wow! Yeah, so you're just cool. sitting watching Netflix or whatever on your Apple TV, and just you, and if you feel like it, you just text pause. Well, you could if you didn't have a remote in your hand, but well, but why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the iTunes remote one doesn't seem terribly useful to me because if you're mobile on your phone, you're yeah, probably you can, not. You, you got the, the remote app. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, but I decided there was certain information that actually was useful and easier to 
text for than to build a whole interface to just hit buttons. And so you, you're doing it through the auto accept Apple script command, correct? No, I actually modified the iTunes remote one. Oh, okay. I re I kind of rewrote it, but it has the whole skeleton that you need for everything in there. All right. Well, that is interesting. I hope you write it up because I, I don't think I'm capable of, of putting this together on my own, Brett. So I'm going to, this will be another one where I surf your wake. <laughs> I, I will add it to my list. But we, uh, we need to take a, a little break to talk a little bit more about Smile and PDF pin for the iPad. And I thought uh, today what I talk a little bit about is how I use it. I mean, I've, I've said before on the show how I use it quite often to review documents. While eating but tacos. I've never really yeah, while eating tacos yeah. or spicy carrots. Right. Um, but I've never really talked about kind of the logistics about how I go about it. And I, I've got a pretty good workflow for this stuff. Uh, there's two ways that I get PDFs into PDF pin for iPad. Uh, the first is if it's just already sent to me on my Mac, I put it in there. And since they have the iCloud sync, it gets sent over automatically. And one of the things I like about it is when I import it to PDF pin on the Mac is it, it detects if it does not have optical character recognition and it'll do the OCR right in the application for me. So when I import it on the Mac, it goes to iCloud and it does the OCR and then I've got it ready to work on. And uh, the other way I get them in is sometimes I'm, I'm eating a taco with my iPad and someone emails it to me and then I just import it directly from mail to PDF pin on the iPad. It's got the open in dialogue. And that's another one that I bet will get pretty interesting with iOS eight. And, uh, and on the PDF pin for the iPad, if it's not already has the OCR, I will open the file in smiles, other product PDF pin scan plus, which we've talked about before, which is just a fantastic way to, do OCR on a PDF file on your iOS device. So I'll run it through there, get the OCR. The, the point is before I start working on it, I want to have the optical character recognition done because the context for me working on this stuff is their documents. And I'm usually looking through and, and making comments and adjustments. And the most frequent tool I have is I have a little stylus that I carry with me. It's a, it's one of the jot styluses. It's not the jot touch. It's the original one that everybody went gaga over at Macworld two or three years ago. I bought one. It's got a nice little fine tip and one of the clear uh, plastic discs on the end. So you can see exactly where you're putting the stylus on the screen. And because I've done OCR, I get that highlight tool rolling. And I use different colors of highlight for different kinds of comments, like things that concern me get red and things that I may want to change get green and things that um, that I just want to comment on get yellow. So I kind of have a, a an idea in my head what colors I want to use. And PDF pin for iPad makes this really simple to, to change between the colors. And the first thing I do is I read the whole thing and I just run those highlights with that pin wherever I think they're interesting. Then I go back and I add comments and I use Siri for the comments. I open up a, a dialogue and I push the button and I just dictate some thoughts in. And at the end of it, I've got a nice highlighted document with coded highlights and comments built in. And it doesn't take that long to do. And it's really, I find a nice getaway from the computer and I do good work on it. And when I send it to people, they entirely get it. And that's the way I use PDF pin for iPad often. I, I can also type the comments in if I don't want to, you know, if I'm outside in, in Chipotle and I don't want to make the person next to me think I'm a weirdo. Uh, but 
it's it's really a great workflow. And PDF Pin for iPad makes all that possible. And because they're iCloud, when I get back to my Mac later, all that stuff is already there. I don't have to push any buttons or sync anything. It just happens. And that's just one of the ways I use this app all the time. Um, PDF Pin for iPad is a fantastic application. As Katie said, they have support not only for the simple Jot, jot stylus I use, but they even have the ones for the Bluetooth, where if you press harder, you can draw lines of degree and thickness. So like if you're an artist, you can do interesting things with that. But even if you're marking up a document and you want to have the lines show the, the amount of pressure you're putting, like if you're really mad and you circle something, a lot of times you push hard, you can see it that way. Um, they continue to make it better. Uh, they improve performance. They reduce memory use. I mean, they're always making it better. I really like the idea now that it syncs with Transporter as well, because some of the stuff I'm I'm working on on my iPad, I'm not really comfortable putting on Dropbox. And uh, if I want to put it on some separate cloud service, Transporter is a great one because it's something I control. And now they support that. Um, they're a longtime sponsor of our show and we're fans of the people and fans of the products. Go check out PDF Pin for the iPad. Like they said, I did a really extended video on how to use the application. So if you want a kind of good walkthrough, that's a good place to start. Go to smilesoftware.com slash PDF Pin. I, I have two, maybe three things to say. Can I? Okay, bring it. Bring it. All right. First, did you hear Systematic with Nat Austin? Not yet. Uh, 10103. She works She works on Scan Plus for Smile. Oh, okay. And that was a really, that was a fun episode. She she, was a and fun. she's also App Camp for Girls, Natalie. Yes. Yeah. Yes, she is. She's very cool. Um, second, you said uh, eating a taco with your iPad. I'm wondering what app that is. That That's actually me eating a taco oh. with my iPad next to me. Okay. Um, and then I forgot he, the third thing. He does thing that already. a lot. That's like the only thing he eats. When you live oh. in Southern California, you got to like tacos because there's some good ones here. I, I love tacos everywhere. Right. Chicago. Chicago is really like good tacos. I like tacos, but it's just you eat a lot of tacos. <laughs> Did you know pencil? Every, every time every t- every time we do an ad spot, it's, it's David eating tacos. Well, maybe you should get a taco sponsor. Did you know pencil has a, an a, we uh, should. SDK now? Pencil, pen, that Bluetooth stylus? I just read that. I just read that. I, it's on my list of things to follow up on. Because they have their own stylus, and now they're they're going full boat with it. It's not just going to work in their app. It's going to work everywhere. Right. Because it was awesome with paper. But yeah. when you spend, I think it's I think it's 100 bucks now. When you spend 100 bucks on a stylus, it would be nice to use it as in, in cool ways elsewhere. In other yeah. places, yeah. There's an app now where you can take your pencil and you can draw strings and then pluck them. It's a music app. Oh my goodness. And you can draw like different weight and different size strings and create instruments on your iPad. It's amazing. My uh, when I finished when I shipped the presentations book, my wife and kids bought me a ukulele. Nice. I cuz I I just love Hawaii and Hawaiian music and they're like, "You know, you're always listening to this stuff. Why don't you learn <laughs> to play it?" And it's interesting because I've always been I played horns and I played keyboards. I've never played a stringed instrument. But now I've got like five chords down, and I just love the sound of it. I'll just sit there and strum it away. I'm having a good time. Who's that Hawaiian guitarist who's so heavy that it's amazing he can fit his arms around a oh, guitar? Uh, is Israel? I can't pronounce yeah. his last name. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, he know passed away. About. Yeah, did but, he? Yeah, he was but, good. Yeah. Well, there's some amazing ukulele. I started kind of getting into it recently, but now, right now I, I can do hooky lao. I can play hooky lao, and um, and I'm pretty happy with that. It's a start. Yeah. Nice. 
One of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because I think the last time we had you on the show, you were just starting this, uh, is how things have been for you since you went independent, because you've done a lot of stuff. And so the, the big question is, how do you have time to do all this stuff now? And maybe one of the answers is you don't have a day job anymore. So how's that working out? Well, I'll be honest with you. The, the, I'm, I'm what, a year in? No, six months. I don't even know how long it's been because I stopped showering and sleeping. Okay. Um, but I, I went broke. I went broke because I started working on bigger projects because I had more time. But bigger projects independently don't pay until they ship. Mm-hmm. So I took on a lot at once and didn't ship anything for a good period of time. And my savings ran out and I panicked. But now that Mark 2.3 is out and on the app store and my book is nearing completion and the children's book is making good progress, I'm really enjoying the independence. Yeah, I would that, still, that makes sense. I would take a contract job if I found a good remote one, like, you know, work a few hours a week and make some steady money. But overall, it's going really well. I'm, I'm enjoying the very, very flexible schedule. I've always had a flexible schedule. I started working remotely for companies probably almost a decade ago. So I haven't, you know, I had to put on pants for a long time. But this is kind of, uh, it's a new level of depraved workaholism, which I like. Yeah, I can see that. Having flexibility to do what you want is one thing, but are you... In not having to work, quote unquote, for the man. But are you finding that you yourself are imposing any structure to your schedule? Are you finding that you're setting aside certain time to do certain types of tasks or certain days to do certain types of things? Or do you just wake up and say, I'm going to do um, what I feel like today? How, how have you allocated your time? In the beginning, I, I, was, uh, I was making days. I was separating whole days for projects. Like today was writing, tomorrow is coding. Day after that is uh, like emails, customer support, shipping. Um, that fell apart, and now I I will sketch. I will I have a task paper file called short term to do, and it's basically where at the end of the day, what I write down what I think I should do tomorrow, and I'll, that actually shows up in Geek Tool on my desktop. Yeah, I'm looking so, at it right now. <laughs> so when I get up in the morning, I can see what I was planning to do, and I can make decisions at that point about what I think would be most productive in my current mindset. On average, how many items get on that list? How many get on it or how many get checked off it? Well, both. But let's start with, you know, how realistic are you with the, the items on the list to begin I, with? I never I never have more than four items in the whole week. Oh. Because other stuff will come up and OmniFocus is full of things to do. But that list is, these are the major focuses for my week. You know, if I have a major bug in Mark to fix, that's going to make it onto the list because it's a top priority and it's something that I I know that needs to be done tomorrow. And then if I wake up and I'm in a mood to write, writing is the hardest of the things I do. It's the hardest for me to start, not the hardest for me to do. I'm yeah. good at writing, but I get serious blank page syndrome. How much and, how much planning do you do for your writing? I mean, that's one of the the oh, I'm um, freaking good at planning. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you are. You're a big like. I'll mind, mind map. map the hell out of that. See, to me, that's the solution. I've never experienced writer's block. I've got like I don't know how many books I've got out now, and the trick is 
for me to plan it out really well. And then it just comes once I sit down, I'm ready to go. Yeah. See, I really enjoy the brainstorming part. I really enjoy the organization part and the planning part, but then I get that far and I'll take a break and I'll come back and I'll look at the mind map and just some, there's this gap between going from the mind map to OPML into a, a markdown outline somewhere in that chasm. I, I just, I fail. Are you one of these guys that expects the first draft to be great? I, well, a lot of the stuff I write, you know, I do a lot of blogging. Yeah. And it never sees an editor. It never sees a second draft. So by nature, I am a perfectionist about the first draft. I think that's I am learning though. I am learning now that I've worked with multiple editors I'm learning that I shouldn't put so much effort into the first draft because they're going to rip it apart and rewrite it no matter what I do. Yeah. Well, even so, you can do that to yourself. I, I am, um, I give myself full permission to have a terrible first draft. I even have a word for it, but we wouldn't keep our clean tag. Um, and, and I just, I just accept that the first draft is going to be a bunch of garbage, but just the, the physical act of getting that first draft in that gets you that gets your role and now there's words on the screen now you've got something to edit and something to work with and if right. you did if you did a mind map the words are not as bad as you think they are after that first draft right and once i have those words on the screen it gets really easy for me i think you also have to be aware of what are you writing and and what type of piece is this i mean uh, mind mapping and mind mapping and mind mapping and outlining and throwing it back into a mind map and going back and forth and drafting and rewriting and editing is one thing uh, when you're when you're doing a very high level piece or when you're writing a book or, um, you know, a really marquee piece for your blog. But for an everyday project, I mean, sometimes it, it can be easy. And I found myself falling into that trap more than once where you just plan it to death and you never write the darn thing. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I um, first of all, the way you said that kind of hurt a little bit inside because it sounded like things I would say and it sounded like hurtful. Um, but the, um, I, I am not afraid to mind map a letter. I mean, it, I mean, there's simple things that you do every day in your job that don't need a mind map. You can just, you can just type it up quick or dictate it quick and it's not a big deal. But, um, I think there's a lot of things that would be better if you spent five minutes planning it and then executing on it, even if it's just a short one. To Katie's point, though, all of the most popular posts that have ever been on my blog, like if I go through all of the the traffic, the most popular ones I wrote in 20 to 30 minutes, all in one shot, no mind mapping, just had an idea and I sat down and wrote it. And those end up being the most like from the heart, honest posts that well, maybe you that's write. what you need to do. Then maybe you should just throw all that stuff out and forget it. Just start, just start, <laughs> start writing, man. But but do give yourself permission to have a bad first draft. Who cares? Just get it, get the words out. Yeah, yeah, I'm learning. I get it done. I say it's the hardest thing that I do, but I do get it done. Oh, we all know that. Terpster delivers. He ships, as they say. Um, the, what uh, if anything would you have done differently during this process? During the independence process, I would have probably saved more money before I started. Um, I, I don't know. Like I haven't, I don't think I'm far enough into it to be truly retrospective about it yet. Um, what, what kind of, um, what were the, are there any additional challenges that you faced that you didn't expect? I would say that overall it's been 
pretty much exactly what I expected. I, I think my, my ability to focus is not great. Uh, when I do focus, I overfocus. And when I'm not focused, I completely drop the ball on everything. And that has never been more apparent than it is for me as an independent, where every minute, if I'm not shipping something, if I'm not doing something that actively earns me money, I'm, I'm losing. Like with, if you work a corporate job, you can have a bad day and you still get paid for it. That's not true when you're independent. Yeah. Well, it's interesting what you say about the scope of projects. You, you took on all these big projects, which are just naturally going to take time to do right. And in the meantime, you're sitting there starving. Right. And I guess it's a conundrum. So I guess to do it over again, you would have lined up two or three smaller projects to kind of keep things rolling while you're yeah, getting I the suppose big stuff done. Sequencing would have been if I had planned this, the sequence of my work so that I was shipping consistently instead of shipping like three things at once too late, then yeah, I, that would have been smart. Yeah. Okay. Another thing that you've been doing at home and writing about is you have hacked your whole treadmill computer <laughs> system <laughs> and um and uh what's the name of the device again where you wave your hands and stuff the leap, leap, the leap motion i bought one i i got in on that when i saw it and I, we the first night it came we all played with it and it was kind of fun and i haven't used it since and yeah my, mine is mine is sat for say a month at a time and then i'll pick it back up again and start working it in my workflow it's not it is a toy it's not good enough or or accurate enough to be a daily like it, it doesn't replace my trackpad. Yeah, but a, yeah, there so, are times. So to back up a little bit, so Leap Motion is a it's a sensor bar. Uh, it's about the size of a kind of a big pack of gum, maybe or maybe bubble yum from the old days. I don't know. It's it's it's, kind of, it's a it's decent size sensor. It's Plus, a size of a large like Bic Stormlighter. Okay, good. And it plugs in via USB to your Mac and you can wave your hands over and can track individual fingers and, and both hands in three dimensional space. Yeah. Which is cool. And they've got some neat games where you can fly an airplane by moving your hands or there's one where it looks like you're conducting an orchestra with your hands and all that is pretty neat. But what really makes this a geek tool was, uh, our pal over at better touch tool. I forget his name. Uh, Oh, man, you made me That's forget. okay. Not putting you on the spot. But anyway, the, the, the guy who makes Better Touch Tool said, hey, what if I connected Leap to Better Touch Tool? So not only can I like tap out Beethoven on my trackpad and make it you know, text Brett and find out how much money he made last week, <laughs> but <laughs> I can also um, wave my hands, which is kind of neat. So you can wave your hands. Like you can take your hand and wave it across your keyboard or in front of your Mac and it will change to the next space. Right. You know? And I, that's, I've been playing with that, which is fun, but I found it really something I almost never used because I, if I'm sitting on my Mac, my hands are either on a keyboard or the trackpad and there's exactly. ways to do that, that don't need me to lift my hand entirely off the keyboard and start waving it around. Uh, but Brett, who is always thinking about this stuff has himself a treadmill desk and you know, he got a treadmill and it's laying down and he's got his desk up there. So he's walking on his treadmill, you know, getting his steps in for the day and reading email or whatever. And it's not necessarily going to be one of these things where he has his hands on his keyboard. So take it away, Brett. What did you do? 
I well, basically, I was it was inspired by Minority Report. Yeah, and and Andreas Hagenberg is the better touch tool guy's name, right. and and he provided me with all the tools to control just about anything. There's probably 20 different gestures I can make. So while I'm walking, a lot of times I can type while I walk. That's that's fine. At like uh, up to about two miles per hour. But if I get into a groove and I'm just reading like RSS feeds or emails, then I'll crank my speed up between three and four miles per hour, which is too fast for me to type at. But I can still wave my hands around. So while I'm walking, I have uh, I have different actions assigned to each app. So I'll make uh, I make like reader or uh, read kit full full screen, and I'll make my mail full screen, and I'll make slice reader full screen, and I'll flip between them, like you said, by just waving my five fingers back and forth, which is a very intuitive gesture. It really works for me. Um, but then like two fingers up, we'll skip to the next article. One finger down, we'll scroll up and it's all like basically designed it. So I was using my computer as if it were three dimensional and I was moving windows around and I was moving spaces around and it's, I can effectively point at my screen at a window and move my hand and the window will move. And it's, it's less complex than that would actually be. Yeah. But that's what it feels like. And to me, that's, that's a valid use of the technology. No, I think it's the best use I've ever heard of it because it was, it just feels like a toy to me, but I got thinking, well, if you're on a treadmill and you're moving around, maybe I got the treadmill just because I had to justify the leap. Well, there you go. Now, <laughs> if, have you got the flat treadmill or is yours on an incline? My Mine's flat. It's the okay. uh, lifespan. Oh, nice. Yeah. We've had a lot of guests that are, are treadmill users. So yeah, it's, it's uh it's like markdown. People are picking up on it. All right. Now, can you, um, uh, fire off an Apple script with the leap. Oh yeah. So you could, you could actually go a lot further with this if you wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can, you can do just about you can anything. Start controlling lights and everything. I do. And, and that's just an Apple script through your, your, uh, your light software. Right. A slow clap over my desk. will turn off the lights in my office when I leave. Of course, so will my phone with Bluetooth, but I like to have multiple ways to make sure my lights are off because we have a high energy bill. That's that's crazy. <laughs> I think I'm going to like get one where I do. I'll have it on the treadmill and I do something and I'll wave my hands. The lights will dim and Barry White will start playing. Oh, it'd be cool if you had a snap gesture. So you just like, yeah, snap. Perfect. <laughs> or maybe a Fonzie thumbs up. Hey. And then you actually, there are thumbs up gestures. You can like <laughs> Daisy will just look at me and she'll just like run out the door <laughs> and I'll be all alone. <laughs> listening to Barry white on my, on my treadmill. <laughs> oh, lonely. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Brett. I, uh, <laughs> you found a use for it. Yeah. I, I just haven't got my arms wrapped around it. Better touch tool. On the other hand, I think you, you're the one who originally turned me onto that. I still just love it and find uses for it all the time. And Andreas is constantly updating. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't even make money on that particular app. Yeah. He doesn't charge for it. And he's another one. He's like Brett Terstra. It's like Andreas comes out with something. He has an app in the Max in the app store that he uses to size windows. I bought yeah, it. Snap, better snap tool. And he has a better touch tool to uh, touch. Yeah. For the phone. Right. Which is awesome as well. Yeah. Wow. Time flies. When we have Brett Terpster on the show. If you wanted to talk about all of my projects, we could go another 
Uh, probably three hours. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, tell me, a, let's just, because we're oh, running out of time. That just means we got to have you back on. <laughs> tell me just the one or two that you're excited about right now. Uh, let's see. I am excited about, oh, we're going to talk about this on Systematic when you're on. Okay. But, uh, but HTML5 slide decks have gotten to a point where they're actually truly usable. So I've been experimenting with generators so that I can just type markdown files and create full, really good, really good looking presentations from them. Yeah. There's a couple uh, apps now that are people that are, are kind of playing in that space. Yeah. Like Dexet is doing really well. Um, and then I don't know. I'm working on a ton of plugins. I'm working on a web based EPUB generator. So you can log into a website, paste in some markdown and get an EPUB back. Nice. Um, yeah. I've, I've got now, now what makes you decide to do that on the web versus on a native app? It was basically in this case, it was just something to scratch an itch and it was easier to do as a web interface than it was to build a whole app. Sometimes it feels to me like you use the web kind of as a testing ground. Yeah. And you'll put something up there and you'll see how many people like it and take, you know. for example, prompt down, which is a project I did three or four years ago where you paste markdown into a field and it turns it into a teleprompter on your on a web page. Yeah. That I'm actually turning into an, a real iPad and Mac app. Okay. And they'll be able to sync with each other and you can, uh, you can, you know, just take, you can write your script in Markdown and you can do it fast and then have it floating fast. And right now the cheapest app for doing that is 20 bucks and they range up to a hundred dollars for no reason. So I'm going to make one that's inexpensive and, and smoother than anything else out there. Like butter. But originally it was a web project. Yeah. When, when can we expect that? Uh, probably not soon. It's yeah. uh, something I play with. I'll, I have another one called Tico and uh, it, it watches your clipboard for shortened URLs and expands them silently in the background. So yeah. if you copy a link out of a tweet, when you paste it into an email, it's already fully expanded. Nice. That one's it's cool, but I, I think I'll probably get in trouble with Apple for modifying clipboards in the background, but. Well, not everything has to go through the app store, although I'm sure that's a huge market for you. Yeah. That would be way more successful in the app store. Yeah. Um, and not only that, you've got systematic that, continues to have some great guests and a few lousy ones. Like we have me. a great one tonight. <laughs> I'm going to be doing Brett's show where I'm going to be talking about presentations, everybody. So if you want to, if you can't get enough of Brett and me on this show, you should go over and listen to that. And, um, and you've got a new show with Christina Warren called overtired. Yeah. I'm loving that one. Yeah. It's real. You know what? I think you two have really good chemistry together. I know you guys are like uh, pretty close friends anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We hit it off right away. We met six or seven years ago. Uh, when we were both writing for the unofficial Apple web blog. Yeah. And we've stayed in touch ever since. And she is, she's uh, bubbly and she talks fast and she knows way too much about television. And it's, she's kind of the opposite of me while we have a lot of common characteristics. So it actually works out really well for balance. I think we need to get Christina on here to do a workflow show. Oh, you should. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's really my favorite new five by five show. So everybody hey, can check that out. And, uh, and Katie, uh, where can you find us? Well, you can find links to everything that we talked about in this episode at MacPowerUsers.com or at five by five TV slash MPU. You can also find us on Twitter. The show is at MacPowerUsers. I'm at Katie Floyd or David is at Max Sparky. 
you can send us feedback to feedback at macpowerusers.com. Keep those audio comments coming. The, uh, the live shows are a lot of fun, and it's really great having a hearing from listeners as well. Uh, Brett Terpstra, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, you are always present on our show because of all the great things you do, but it's great having you on as well. We didn't talk about a lot of stuff, so I'm sure we'll have you back <laughs> at some point. And, uh, and keep making all these great stuff because, boy, we sure all appreciate it. I will. I will.